Hey Hope family, welcome back to another Hope Daily and another look at the book of Genesis. Today I don't have a specific passage that I want to look at in Genesis. I kind of have the whole arc of Joseph's story in mind and I want to make some connections or help us make some connections to other stories in the Old Testament and then drive it home to just a practical point for us to ponder for the day. So Joseph's story, we've already looked at his dreams, we've looked at how he was sold into slavery. And if you know his story, then you know that he ends up rising to power as a slave in Potiphar's household. Potiphar was the captain of Pharaoh's guard, and Joseph was Potiphar's slave. In this role, he continually impressed Potiphar with his intelligence, his responsibility, so so much so that Potiphar eventually gives him free reign over his whole house and his responsibilities. Joseph is allowed to act as Potiphar. There's one notable exception, Potiphar's wife was clearly off limits, and Joseph was okay with this arrangement. Potiphar's wife, however, was not. She tries to seduce Joseph to no avail, and eventually accuses him of trying to force himself on her. This lands Joseph in prison, and there too, Joseph impresses those over him and works himself into a, jo a job of responsibility. He interprets the dream of a fellow prisoner who is eventually restored to Pharaoh's service, and then that prisoner remembers Joseph when Pharaoh has a dream that needs interpreted. Joseph is called out of prison, successfully interprets this dream, and again rises to a place of extreme prominence, becoming Pharaoh's right-hand man. That is Joseph's story in a nutshell. Keep that in mind as we make some connections that are not unique to me by any means. I read uh, an article recently by biblical scholar Ari Lamb, and he points out that this Joseph story has connections all throughout the Old Testament. So I want to share briefly his findings and then a thought that we can meditate on for the day. The first connection that he shows is in the Daniel story. In Daniel, we have many parallels, some more explicit than others. In a general way, both Joseph and Daniel are Hebrew men who find themselves in prominent positions of a foreign ruler. One explicit connection is made when King Nebuchadnezzar has a dream that needs interpreting and he calls for the magicians to interpret it. The word translated magicians is actually an Egyptian word. And an Egyptian word in a Hebrew book set in Babylon, Babylon and Persia. Weird, no? But it's the same word that we find in Genesis when Pharaoh calls his magicians to interpret his dreams. And so we're supposed to make the connection that these dreams are like the dreams that Pharaoh had in Genesis. And so too, as we'll see, the dream interpreter is to be compared. So Daniel is to be compared to Joseph because who is able to interpret the dreams? Well, the magicians were not able to in either Genesis or Daniel, but the Hebrew man in both stories, Daniel and Joseph. And so we are to read Daniel as a Joseph-esque character. The next connection made by Ari Lam is a little less familiar and takes place at the end of the book of 2 Kings. Jehoiakim is the last king of Judah and he's taken captive by King Nebuchadnezzar and he's put in prison in Babylon. Here again, we have some general storyline narratives that connect him to Joseph, both taken prison, both taken out of their land of Israel, enslaved by a foreign ruler. But like in Daniel, we have some specific phrases that are used to trigger our memory. In the NIV, 2 Kings 25-27 reads this way, He released Jehoiakim, king of Judah, from prison. The Hebrew is literally, he lifts up 
the head of Jehoiakim. Now, this phrase typically means to count or to include, but there is one other place where it means to free or to release from prison. You guessed it. Pharaoh lifts up the head of the chief cupbearer, just as Joseph predicted back in Genesis. There are other textual callbacks to the Joseph story, but suffice it to say that we are supposed to think of Joseph as we read Jehoiakim. One last connection, and it's back to a more familiar story, the one of Esther. Now, the book of Esther wastes no time with comparisons. Verse 3 of chapter 1 reads, In the third year of his reign, he gave a banquet for his nobles and pharaohs. This is almost word for word what happens in Genesis 40:20, where now the third day was Pharaoh's birthday, and he gave a feast for all his officials. The number three, servants and officials, making a party, feast, all of these are the same Hebrew words in each. Now in Esther, there are more connections. It gets even more interesting. In Daniel, Daniel was the Joseph figure. In Kings, it's Jehoiakim. And there's not much guessing, but who is the Joseph figure in Esther? Well, it could be Esther. We are told that she had a beautiful figure and was pleasing to look at. And lest we think the biblical author is objectifying women, this is a parallel phrase to Joseph's description, who was handsome in form and appearance. But there's more. Esther's uncle, Mordecai, refuses to bow to Haman. Haman's servants spoke to him day after day, but he refused to listen. This is once again the same Hebrew words used of Joseph, who refused to listen to Potiphar day after, or Potiphar's wife day after day. There are even more connection between Haman's story and Jehoiakim's story, but we're already a little bit in the weeds, and I don't want to completely lose you. The point is that Esther's story doesn't have a singular Joseph character, so much as it is to be read as a Joseph story. So we have strong echoes of Joseph in Jehoiakim, in the book of Daniel, and in the book of Esther. But what's the point? First, let's think about the Jewish setting that these stories take place in. They are all in exile. They've been ripped from their homes. So while the people are trying to figure out how do we live in exile as a faithful people to Yahweh, the biblical authors are saying, look to Joseph. He, after all, was the first to be ripped from his home and to live in a foreign land. So we are presented with these three renderings of Joseph. Of Joseph. Jehoiakim, Jehoiakim is kind of the fatalistic passive version. If you read uh 2 Kings chapter 25, he is very passive. He doesn't do anything. He is at the mercy and the whim of the ruling authorities. He kind of just has to quietly suffer. In Esther, we see the proactive version of Joseph, one who sees political power as something to be grabbed and to be used. But we are warned in the story of Esther that it's a double-edged sword because we see that Esther and Mordecai seek to use that power for good, but Haman will seize it and use it for evil. In Daniel, we see the clearest parallel to Joseph. But the book of Daniel also emphasizes their differences. Joseph took on a different name, a different look, and took on foreign wives. Daniel, however, refuses to conform his dress, his diet, or his worship practices. The book of Daniel doesn't lionize a quiet, passive approach or seeking political power. Daniel serves God by refusing to conform. And he serves his society by being willing to say no. So who is the real Joseph? Is it Joseph? Is it Jehoiakim? Is it Esther? Is it Daniel? How are we supposed to approach interacting with political powers? 
Are we supposed to be quietly submissive? Are we supposed to seize power to use it for good? Are we to be willing to refuse to conform and to say no, to stand out as different among everyone else? And I think that the answer is yes. I think that the answer is all three. I think that we need wisdom to see what God is calling us to because throughout history, we've seen that God has called his people to take different approaches at different times, to be faithful in different ways. But always, we are supposed to be a faithful presence to the kingdom of God in the midst of the kingdoms of this world. The question for you is what is God calling you to? How is God calling you to be set apart and to shine a light on the kingdom of God in the midst of living in the kingdoms of this world.